I had, I got recruited by this football powerhouse, Cal Poly Pomona, and they offered me a half scholarship. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is great. So yeah. I went to Cal, Cal Poly Pomona on a half scholarship. And he said, I, I want to, uh, before I start, I want to uh, just um, have you guys um, know who my favorite writer is of all time. And uh, I want to read you a, a, something that I want to read you out, something that he wrote. And it was the Apostle Paul. Oh, and, wow. and he read right from the start. He read First uh, Corinthians nine twenty four through twenty seven, which talks about an athlete. And he said, "You know, y'all are going to have a chance to be a Dallas Cowboy. So uh, I want you to run this race to win." So Alvin Roy got a hold of me, and uh, I remember him calling me. The uh, I'm Hungarian, and he said, I, "You're the, you're." Uh, I'm going to call you the Hungarian Hellfighter. Hey, welcome back to another rep. My name is Steve Hagen, and today's show is just as good, if not better, than all the other shows that we've ever put together, and I love it. I have the Z-Man, Jim Zorn, former player and coach for the Seattle Seahawks, and he coached a whole bunch of other places, but he and I coached together at the Seattle Dragons two springs ago. He was the head coach. I was the special teams coordinator. We had a blast. It was so fun coaching. And um, I just want you to hear his story, how he got in the NFL, where he started, how it all started. It's just so cool. So lean in, listen up, let's laugh along with it, and let's go get another rep. Let's go. I made pancakes. We colored Easter eggs. (laughs) We did all kinds of stuff. I love that. I love that. Hey, everybody, I got the Z-Man, Coach Jim Zorn, on a podcast today on another rep, and I love this dude. I love I love him. Uh, I've known him for a long time, but we got to finally coach together just uh, with the XFL, the Seattle Dragons, and it was a blast. It got cut short because of COVID, but, hey, it is what it is. I uh, feel like I'm in your neighborhood. <laughs> I wish you were in our neighborhood. That would be so fun, man. We'd go coach the little guys down the street. <laughs> That's right. I've been doing some of that. So let me ask you this. How many nicknames do you have? Because I know a Z-Man. Yeah. Um, I don't have many others. I'm uh, Z. I'm J-Z. Some people Jay-Z. call me J- J-Z. Okay. Uh, but, uh, hey, you. there's all kinds of names how about your grandkids what do they call you well i want them to call me sir king grandfather right (laughs) that's 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 what i wanted to go by and i told them you know you can call me sir or you can call me king or you can call me grandfather but they call me poppy so that's pretty cool though that's yeah so i go by uh i go by poppy or pops how many how many grandkids and what's the age limits? Well, now uh, we have seven as of eight weeks ago. We had six and my youngest daughter, uh, our third child, uh, just had her first. Yeah, and, little Miss Danny. Uh, Danny. Yeah. And she, uh, that baby is uh, a boy. His name is Carver and uh, he's eight weeks old. So <laughs> we have seven grandkids. And none of them call you Sir King... 
<laughs> no, only when they're messing around with me. Right? Only when they're messing. Hey, Poppy's pretty good. Coach Poppy, yeah. baby. Coach Poppy. Yeah. That'd be pretty fun. You, you've got some grandkids. No, no, not yet. I just got oh, okay. my first son married off. Uh, he lives in Hawaii, and he just got married okay. off. And then my daughter's going to get married in September. So, okay, we're not well, quite it's there. It really, it's, it's a joy. I mean, it's really been fun. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, we just had a grandson uh, sleepover last night, so we had all of our grandsons here. And how many uh, was that? That was uh, well. We have four now, but uh, we only had three of them over. Yeah. Um, but we had, you know, I mean, we had a big time ones. So we go 11, six and five. And uh, what do we do? Let's let's figure out what we did. That's right. That, well, we, we it wasn't hard. And Joy, my wife, uh, is really a great uh, hostess facilitator of the she does, a, she does a great job. But um, we messed around last night and uh, played, you know, play different things and um you have a campfire I, I, or anything no 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 probably boys and fire then, boys and fire maybe not good yeah we've done that before uh and then this morning i have a couple of electric motorcycles oh. that they uh, and we have a couple parks adjacent to our house and they rip around and ride they rode motorcycles and well i rode like your that. electric bike that thing if your motorcycles go faster than that bike that's that's oh, pretty yeah, good for I a 10 year old yeah <laughs> hey let's talk about everybody knows you're a great football player how did it all start well thank you yeah let's let's go back to uh well maybe not everybody knew you were a great football player I knew that and I'm going to tell everybody you were a great football player when your name is up in the ring of honor at the Seattle Seahawks stadium that signifies you were a great football player so well, I'm letting everybody know that straight up front so that's what that's what went down for Coach Zorn. All right. How did it all start? Well, I I was not really going to be a foot. I didn't play football when I was young. I didn't really play any organized sport. Uh, my parents just uh, you know wanted I uh, you know they would uh, say go outside and play. So I did, and yeah. we used to play uh, football in the street. From the the field was. Uh, light post to light post curb to curb light post curb, to, curb to curb and you wait until cars go by and then you <laughs> back out there again Love and that I, was southern california right that was southern california and sometimes we were barefoot in the street you know you never do that today <laughs> anyway we did um and then when i was a freshman in high school think about this i went out for cross country Okay. And I, I ran cross country. I was not fast. I was probably the least on the team. And then I, I, I went out for a couple other sports that year as a freshman. And then my sophomore year, uh, a friend of mine said, Hey, let's don't go out for cross country this year. Let's go out for football. So and you, you, that was your first organized football. You never like played pop Warner or anything like that. No, 15 years old. And I was a, I was a receiver and DB, I had no idea what all the rules were or anything like that. I just remembered what we did in the street, right? Yeah. And were you the, the quarterback coach, when they played in the street? Yeah, yeah, I played quarterback. Yeah, and I'm left-handed, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that, I mean, that made no difference. I could just throw it. So the coach uh, during this, uh, I was on the sophomore team. Yeah. And the coach said, "Hey, would you play quarterback? I saw you throw. Could you play?" 
QB for us until we get a guy that comes down from varsity. And, <laughs> and I Heck loved yeah. it. I, I said, yep, I'll do that. And I liked it because I could touch the ball every single play. There you go. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I could throw. And so I learned, uh, how to, how to play quarterback. And, um, I, again, the, they did have a varsity guy come down. So I had to back up. And I think the only game we won that year as a sophomore, I got to play in, uh, I played the whole game. And then my junior year, I broke my wrist, um, in a game. You're throwing wrist. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me think. Um, I can't, I think it was my other wrist. Yeah. yeah, it was my other wrist, my right wrist. I dislocated it, I think. Ooh, uh, I landed on the ball, uh, running, scrambling. Yeah. And then, so my senior year was really the first success I had at quarterback. And uh, that gave me an opportunity to think about playing in college. I didn't get a scholarship. Yeah. And uh, my mom uh, asked me to just get a job. You know, you need to start working. Right. Quit thinking about, uh, you know, football Silly games. <laughs> yeah. So I said, well, let, I, you know, I could play two more years at, at the junior college. Let me do that. And it didn't cost much to go to a junior college. Yeah. And, and, my, and I could, if I had to, I could walk or ride my bike. Yeah. It was just, a few, it was a few miles away. Was that so, Mount Sac? Uh, was that Mount Sac? No, that was uh, Cerritos. Okay. Cerritos. Cerritos junior college. And so I went there and I played two years. And then my, uh, after my sophomore year, I had, I got recruited by this football powerhouse, Cal Poly Pomona, and they offered me a half scholarship. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is great. So yeah. I went to Cal, Cal Poly Pomona on a half scholarship. And that was division two, NCAA yeah. division two football. And I, my junior year, uh, I think the thing that, set me apart or set my course towards playing well was uh, our head coach after our first game. And we had, you know, we, we played Fresno state, our first game, my junior year. And uh, we ended up beating him. And I remember uh, being on the field and at the end of the game, taking knees and the head coach runs up, uh, he ran out onto the field as the game was done and he got right in my face and said, you are, you are a great player. You are going to have a great career here uh, and a great career in college football. And I was shocked. Nobody, you know, that was uh, such an encouragement to me Yeah, that uh, I'd never heard before. Right. And so I, <clears throat> I guess I tried to prove him right. And I, I tried to study and play and, you know, I was really committed yeah. And to play well. And I led that year, I led the nation in total offense of all colleges. Uh, I was a scrambler and a passer. And yeah. so I had a bunch of yards and we didn't win many games. And my senior year, uh, I think I was third in the nation and got some success. And then NFL teams came around and scouted and uh, kind of measured me and ran me and yeah that was like my that. next that was my next question how do you get from cal poly pomona which i don't even know if they even play football anymore no they don't from cal poly pomona division two 
to the NFL and then doing what you did in the NFL. Let's go on that journey. Yeah, I well, at, at that time, um, the Denver Broncos worked out at Cal Poly Pomona during the okay. summer. You know, teams yeah. go around different places. And I think all the teams came by because they knew, uh, you know, I, I had some potential. Uh, and that, that year in 1975, think how long ago that is. Yeah. Uh, they had 16 rounds. And so a lot of people thought I was going to be drafted in the middle rounds um, by who I don't know. Yeah, but, right. Uh, most of the teams come around and scout and all that kind of stuff. So did you even like really pay attention much to the Broncos when they came? No, up? I didn't pay attention to any pro team, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, and John Ralston yeah. was the head coach. OK. And they had worked out there and I was out. You know, I'd always be out working to try to get better and things like that. Yeah. And after 16 rounds in the NFL, think about that. There's only That's seven today. Exhausting. I was I was not drafted. Yeah. Oh, and so I was passed up. So uh, did you, know, you even people, think you did you think you were going to get drafted? Did you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought, you know, I I, I thought I was going to get so drafted. each so, round. You're kind of like sitting on the edge of your chair, just like, yeah. Well, especially uh, in the second day. Yeah. Maybe maybe not the first day, but the second day, I thought, okay, I'm good enough for that. Yeah. <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. But uh, everybody passed me by. So then uh, immediately I had four contracts uh, sitting in front of me. Oh, that's cool. And I, uh, uh, it was like the Steelers, the Cowboys, the, uh, it was the um, Kansas City Chiefs. And I think it was the Bears. Anyway, uh, they, and I thought to myself, you know, I heard, I had, I had kind of professed and I, I was trying to live out uh, a Christian life at that yep. particular time. I, I became a Christian when I was in high school, as, oh, as a cool. senior in high school. And I had heard that Tom Landry was a Christian coach. And so that that's my main that was one of the main reasons I signed with the Cowboys because oh. I wanted to see uh if it was okay as a Christian to play on Sunday instead of going to church you know because okay. college football was not on Sunday and this right. would have been the first time that I would would think can you really skip church yeah can you really, can you really were you, do were you really like Sunday? were you really staunch christian growing up like never missed church on sunday and and all that well uh i i think i would miss it but like if i was going to go surfing uh that day i would have my surfboard on top of my car and i i went to a big church i'd pull in uh and they didn't really care what you dress like yeah like that's so why I'd, I'd go in my surf shorts and i go uh to church and then i head out to the beach okay uh, and surf after that but i enjoyed going i, I really did it was the it yeah. was kind of that era where there was a big um jesus movement you know and uh there uh, you know all the hippies were becoming christians you know and so i i think that i and so were the were surfers the, and the surfers right and so uh i i don't know if i uh I know why I decided to uh, have this, to make this commitment to follow Christ. But I think part of my motivation was because, um, you know, it was, 
uh, you know, I, there was a lot of young people that were turning their lives over and saying, okay, God, you, you lead me. Uh, yeah. And uh, there wasn't as much uh, scrutiny or criticism towards uh, Christianity as there is, as there probably is today. Yeah. Uh, and I, and so um, I, so I became a Christian and then, I wanted again back to Tom Landry. I wanted to see can you right. can you really be a Christian and be a be a violent player because football has some violence to it. And so <laughs> I signed I signed bit. a contract with the Dallas Cowboys, and, which was uh, kind of cool because their training camp was in Thousand Oaks. That's right. That's where I grew up. In Thousand. That's Oaks. right. Well, you were there, and your yeah. brother was there too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I had I brought my skateboard to camp, and. Uh, I remember either skateboarding with you or your brother yeah. just along the path, uh, kind of between practices. And you guys did a great job because you were working in the equipment room, yep. as I remember. Um, and then re- if you remember our strength coach, his name was Roy uh, Alvin Roy. Alvin Roy, yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, I'll never forget the very first training camp, the mini camp we went to in Dallas. And that camp, uh, I remember it was the first time I had seen Tom Landry. Really? You, know, you, always, you, you always see him in a suit and everything. Yeah. And, you know, here he's walking down the aisle and here's all these uh, free agents and draft choices. Randy White was the first rounder that year. Ooh, okay. Uh, Thomas Anderson was almost all, all, all drafted. There's a character. Well, right? <laughs> and so here we all are sitting there and Tom walks down. He's got little reading glasses and yeah. he's... He doesn't, he doesn't have his hat on and he's bald, you yeah. know, and he's got his coaching shirt, coaching whistle. He's strong and, dude too. He was, he was, and he's a big dude. Yeah. yeah he, he really was a big, a big man. Yeah. And he said, uh, you know, congratulations, gentlemen, you know, you've been yeah. drafted or you're a free agent, which I was. And he said, I, I want to, uh, before I start, I want to, uh, just, um, have you guys, um, know, who my favorite writer is of all time. And uh, I want to read you a, uh, something that I want to read you out, something that he wrote. And it was the Apostle Paul. Oh, and, wow. and he read right from the start. He read First uh, Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, which that talks about so, an athlete. That's so amazing. And, you remember that. Yeah. Oh, impactful, no. It, impactful. It, yeah, it wasn't. It was an impact. And he said, you know, y'all are going to have a chance to be a Dallas Cowboy. So uh, I want you to run this race to win. Right. And then Al- and then I got uh, Alvin Roy got a hold of me. And for some reason, he took to me because I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Was it super list. was it super intimidating coming from like Division two to the NFL? You know? Yeah. It's just well, we had we had coaching little- and the whole thing. The coaching, uh, the detail. I loved the detail. Yeah. We didn't but have, like, you know, you know we, at Cal Poly Pomona, you probably, I don't know if you ever were on TV unless you were in the national. No, no, no. TV, then, no. You know, because like at USC, just down the street a little ways, they're on TV every weekend. And yeah. so that the kids that transition from that level of football to the NFL, it's not so big as going from Cal Poly Pomona to the NFL. So. No, we had our, our, we had great, first of all, it was an ag school. So we had great turf right it was natural grass it was awesome and but the only people that would come to our games were our parents and the band 
you know, uh, and that was it. We had the parents in the van. You know, we 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 didn't have many people. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I I. Uh, well, you're sitting in that team meeting. That's a little. Were you like looking around, going, "Whoa, whoa." Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was. People thought I was a kicker, <laughs> you know. So Alvin Roy got a hold of me. And uh, I remember him calling me the uh, I'm Hungarian. And he said, I, you're the, you're uh, hung- I'm going to call you the Hungarian hellfighter. <laughs> and, you know, I just had a lot of respect for him. So at Cal Poly, all we had, uh, we didn't really have a weight room. We had kind of a weight lifting area that we have yeah, right. some universal machines set up. And so in there was this shed way out in the field and Alvin Roy had taught us how to uh, do power, power lifts, right? We did deadlifts, cleans, power cleans. Yeah, we had that power. cage out in between the fields. Yeah. yeah. Power pulls and clean and jerks and things like that. And so he sent me home with a, a notebook that showed the techniques and gave me a weightlifting program. So, uh, and this was uh, between, you know, this was after the draft and uh, I was still at Cal Poly for my, uh, my fourth year. Okay. And so um, I, I just said to myself, camp regular training camp starts on like July 7th or 8th. Right. And I'm not going to I'm not going to go into that camp, allowing them to cut me for things that I can do myself. And so I thought, uh, you know, I can lift and I can run and I can throw. I can do those things. And if they're going to cut me, they're going to cut me because the offense is too complicated. I can't understand the game, whatever. But it wasn't going to be it wasn't going to be for not being physically ready. Yeah. So uh, I, I religiously worked out and I religiously committed to, uh, we had this, and Cal Poly was built on a hill. Kellogg, Kellogg, um, the Kellogg Cornflakes guy used to own all that property. Wow. And there was this hill up to his old mansion that was just like, it, it was uh, run down basically. But I used to run up that hill all the time and when we went to camp out in Thousand Oaks, I don't know if you remember, but we did an extensive kind of pre-camp workout and it weeded a bunch of guys out. We had 120 guys before the veterans came. I know. And, uh, you know, I, I did pretty well. And he had a great staff. You know, Mike Ditka was on his staff. Uh, Dan Reeves, uh, Gene John uh, Gene Stallings was on his staff. So. Uh, he had a pretty good staff and I did pretty well from a physical standpoint. So they allowed me to stay. There were, I think there were nine other QBs there and I became, I actually made the football team along with 12 other rookies that year. They had 13 rookies make the Dallas Cowboys. And um, then uh, during the week that we finally, we had six, think about this. We had six, preseason games and almost all of it was was two a days and we had uh was, <laughs> we had we had uh three weeks no we had two weeks of training camp or three weeks of training camp before the veterans even showed up 
So and, cut, and we would scrimmage against the Rams or the Chargers or somebody else. Yeah, we did. We did the 49ers, the Chargers. We went to Den, uh, We went to Cal Poly Pomona yeah. and scrimmaged the uh, Denver Broncos. Yeah, I think we did three teams that that uh, that <laughs> summer. A lot of football before football That's ever it. starts. Yeah, and I only got to play in one game. I get. I got to play against the Oakland Raiders in Dallas. Know. And uh, yeah, we, we were losing, but uh, we went down and we scored and I threw a couple balls and I scrambled a little bit and, um, and, and I made the team. I was the number three QB and that's when we had 43 players and no, no injured reserve, no, no squad, yeah. uh, no practice squad, nothing like that. 43. And uh, we had, uh, there was a guy named Scott Laidlaw who was a fullback from Stanford and he had hurt his knee a little bit and they wanted to keep him. So they needed another guy. So they uh, traded for Preston Pearson Mm. from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that made it 44. Somebody had to go. And so instead of staying with three QBs, they stayed with two Roger Staubach and Clinton Longley. And I was the guy that had to go. But so how'd know, that go? Away. Let's stop right there. How'd that go? Yeah. They come up to you. You've made the team and you're like, oh, good. This is what I worked for. And then they yeah. tell you. And then what's that emotion like? Yeah, I uh, uh, that the emotion, it was really hard. And I didn't know if it was something that I did, yeah. you know, because when I made the team, they wanted to change my jersey number. So all through training camp, I had been number seven. And they wouldn't let me wear, for some reason, they wouldn't let me wear seven. So uh, I, I kept, I took another number, number 17, which was really controversial because it was Don Meredith's number. Oh, geez. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know Don, you know, yeah. I wasn't really sure of Don Meredith. Oh, you, you got Don Meredith's number. You know, who's that? You were like, okay. <laughs> right. And so I took number 17. Well, I didn't know whether I got cut, you know, was, oh, I, was wow. I showing off? And the other thing that I did was I changed cleats. I had black shoes and I had the opportunity to get new cleats. And so I, I, this was when it was really popular to have white cleats. And so I got a pair of white, you know, the equipment guy gave me a pair of white cleats. Yeah. And it was like two days later, it was right at the end of the week. Um, I got cut. And I remember Tom coming up to me at my locker and he said, I'm going to have to let you go. Ah. And, you know, he was emotional about it uh, because he hadn't had to do anything like that. And I had made the team. Yeah. But uh, with injuries, they uh, they they decided to keep uh, extra receiver and an extra DB uh, because it was between one of those three guys and uh, they cut me. So uh, he, he said, hey, listen, if uh, one of our guys gets injured, we want you to stay around. And if one of our guys gets injured, we're going to bring you right back because, you know, yeah. the offense. And uh, and Roger never got injured. And Clint, uh, you know, he backed him up. And that's when they had, you know, that year they had a big argument. And yeah, I don't right. know if you remember that Clint punched him. And, uh, you know, you play uh-huh. your style was like Roger running around and all that yeah so you get cut and then you go home to cal poly pomona 
And how long are you sitting there before something else happens? Well, I was I was actually in Dallas uh, staying there. I did okay. what uh, Tom had told me. And there was a, a kind of a guy who loved the Cowboys and he wanted me to help his son throw the football. So uh, and I ran errands for him and stuff. And then the Dallas Cowboys had called. I mean, the uh, the the. Uh, L.A. Rams had called me oh, okay. and said, why don't you come and be our third quarterback? And James Harris and Ron Jaworski were the two QBs there. Yeah. And so I said, OK, I'll, I'll go. I wasn't doing anything in Dallas, so yeah. I got to be on the team. So I got to practice with the, Dow- with the uh, L.A. Rams every single day. And I didn't know because here I am. I'm 22 years old. Yeah. And I had no idea what all you know what the nfl was all about and there were you know agent you know agents and right uh, and teams so did you even have an agent well i had one but because i was a free agent he he just said (laughs) you're out i'm out (laughs) and so uh yeah it was a it was you know there's a lot of other little things that happened during that whole time but uh when i went to the rams uh, you know, Merlin Olson was still on the team. Yeah. Uh, Jack, Jack Snow, Ron, like I say, James Harris was the was the uh, quarterback. Chuck Knox was the head coach. Um, uh, Tom Dempsey, do you remember? He yeah. was the kicker. Yeah. With one, you know, he had a stump for his foot, and yeah. I was a holder. He had the and I, so I held. I got to hold for him, and oh my gosh, that that ball felt like uh, a cannon you know, going off. On yes, but. I started knowing something was a little bit awry when uh, the press would come in. I remember the the coach would say, "Hey, you can leave now. You know, <laughs> you can. You don't have to be on the on the side. You know, you don't yeah. have to be on the field. You can take off." When the press came in, so I thought. And then I didn't suit up on Sundays. Yeah. I, I got tickets to the game, but I, I was well, there was not, a couple of gray areas in there. Yeah. And I, I thought, okay, something's not right. Well, they had made the playoffs and this, this team called the Seattle Seahawks were forming. And so a scout called me from the Seattle Seahawks and said, would you come and look at the Seahawks? We want to sign you to a contract. And my first question was, well, do you play in the NFL? Yeah, we're not an exactly NFL yet. We're an expansion team. And, yeah, and I said, and I didn't know what that was. So I said, well, do you play teams like the LA Rams? Yes. Do you play the Dallas Cowboys? Yes. Do you play the <laughs> Oakland Raiders? Yes. We're in the NFL. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll come up and check you guys out. And when I went up there, I signed I signed a contract because they had talked about, you know, you have a chance to be the starting quarterback here. And as soon as I signed, I think they probably signed and they drafted uh, two others and they signed about five or six others. There were there were a dozen of us during uh, the summer or during the spring before we even got started. And uh, I I became the starting quarterback uh, through all the. So was it you know, all the, the competition. starting quarterback as soon as you got there, like the first year you were there on, on the team, you were the starting yeah. quarterback. And then yeah. how many years? Tell everybody how many years you, you kept. Well. Up. I I kept my position for uh, almost eight years, but uh, I got I got injured in 1981. In fact, 
uh, this is news maybe to you. I'm getting surgery next week. That is news. And uh, <laughs> I had a real severe ankle injury right. in uh, the early 80s. And it really sped my career up uh, to the end. So I, I ended up getting uh, 10 years vested. I was in the league for 11 years. I, uh, I started for the Seahawks for uh, seven out of those eight years I was there. That's awesome. Uh, my position, I had to back up a year, year and a half. In fact, Chuck Knox came to Seattle and it wasn't about scrambling anymore. It was about just running yeah. the football and standing in that pocket. And when you scrambled, it was hard for a coach at that time because, you know, scrambling is unpredictable. Oh, yeah. Right. It, uh, you can create nowadays. It's almost a must. If yeah. you have a scrambling quarterback that can get you out of trouble and create uh, opportunities that aren't going to be there, extend plays, you want that. And so that's what I did. Yeah. Uh, You were way, way, way ahead of your time. Yeah. But the quarterbacks that were in the playoffs uh, at that time were the Kenny Andersons, the Dan Fouts, these guys, great passers, play action pass, standing in the pocket. And Chuck Knox, you know, his nickname, Ground Chuck. Yeah. Right. And so he liked to run the football and he had yep. particular pass plays that he would call, but he would call the pass when he had to, not necessarily when he wanted to. And then <laughs> I don't think I drove him crazy, but I know that I scrambled and Did you uh, audible much. Like we, we didn't audible a lot. You had Steve uh, Largent was like your hookup man. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, I mean, yeah, we, I threw, uh, more than half the passes to Steve. And then when uh, Dave, uh, Dave Craig yeah. was also a backup for a while. And then he, he became the starter. Um, then he threw a bunch of throws, a bunch of passes to Steve. Yeah. Steve had only played for one team his whole career and it was Seattle. And then he retired. And I, uh, you know, Steve and I are, are close even today. Yeah, We're that's right. Hanging out together. So, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Who were some of the other quarterbacks that got drafted at that time, just for the listeners, if you can even remember? Um, that got drafted. Um, well, John Elway was drafted. Uh, I played against him, but, um, uh, I, um, so, you know, Kenny Stabler and uh, Jim Plunkett. Yeah. These guys were some of the prominent, Ken, like I said, Kenny Anderson. Yeah. Uh, do you remember um, – who was the guy that was uh, the Cleveland quarterback, uh, Brian Sipe? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Steve Grogan had played in um, uh, New England at that particular time. Uh, Jaworski had gone to Philadelphia. Um, uh, Burt Jones was in Baltimore with the Colts. These yeah. are the, you know, the era. Uh, Eric Hipple was in uh, Detroit. Um that's fun. That's uh, yeah. Fun. So uh, it was a lot of fun, but I'll tell you. So then you played a long time. Then you went into coaching and you coached in the NFL for a long I time. I know. And it, the career, the playing career, even if you're in it for 12 to 14 years, it ha it feels like it happens like that. And I became a coach. In fact, I tried to become a coach early. I went into Chuck Knox after I had I had said, okay, in 1987, I said, okay, I'm going to retire. Yeah. In 19, so I took a year. Uh, well, I took the 1980s, uh, 87, the rest of the 87 year. 
and part of 88 to say, okay, uh, what am I going to do? And I wanted to coach. So I went into Chuck, who was still the Seahawks head coach. And I said, hey, I'd love to be on your staff. Yeah. I played this long. I want to coach. And he said, no. He said, <laughs> I was so mad. I was really <laughs> yeah. mad. And he said, you know, you're going to benefit more out of being a coach on our staff than we're going to benefit from you being on our staff. And he said, what I need you to do, if I don't want to be your guinea pig. Right. So you try to go <clears throat> to uh, how, whatever team you can coach for, however high up. It could be high school, yeah. junior college, college, whatever, wherever you can coach. And you start there and then work your way. Oh, man. So that's what I did. I um, Where'd you go? I went to uh, Boise State University. Okay. Uh, there was a coach, Skip Hall, who gave me my first opportunity. So we packed up our family and moved to Boise. And I was there for three years. And I was the quarterback coach. Then I became the quarterback and receiver coach. And then I became the quarterback receiver and the kicking coach. <laughs> so we did multiple things. And I had a good uh, office mate. I, um, you know, it was, here's the playbook. Learn it. Coach it. And um, I, I was there for three years, and then I went to Utah State for three years. Yep. Then I went to the University of Minnesota for three years. And then uh, our head coach resigned in, at the University of Minnesota. And I, I was a volunteer in 1997 with the Seattle Seahawks uh, during their training camp. Okay. And uh, my goal, my, my hidden goal was to try to get so much um, responsibility that they'd want to keep me on. Yeah. And so I volunteered. I, I uh, threw passes to the kids after practice uh, as, as kind of a Seahawk deal. Yeah. But I, I snapped for the quarterbacks during seven on seven. Right. And it was Warren Moon, John Freeze. Uh, Kitna had come through there. Uh, they had drafted um after that i think they had drafted uh 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 rick meyer from uh oh yeah yeah Notre well Dame. that was it wasn't that maybe it was that year um no it wasn't that year because that year john freeze played and then warren moon played because john broke his thumb that was 1997 okay and uh i think rick had come there when chuck was still there no uh, no, because I remember the coach. No, it was uh, Tom Flores. Okay. Tom Flores was the head coach. And that's when Rick Meyer had come. But anyway, I after that first year, uh, I had the opportunity to go to the Detroit Lions. And I coached the quarterbacks there with Bobby Ross. Okay. And we had um, uh, we had uh, Mark. Um, think it was that but we drafted charlie batch and um herman moore was there and um uh you know we were we were we had you know um we had a pretty decent team but but you know we were trying to to grow and um uh, you know we we weren't great so detroit's after, been detroit <laughs> yeah after the second year we had gotten uh, Bobby resigned right in the middle of the year. Yeah. And uh, he just felt like he was 
and he really wasn't, but he he felt like he was the problem. And that's when they hired um, uh, Matt Millen as the GM and Marty Morningwig as the head coach. Okay. Well, I had called Chuck Knox, uh, not, uh, no, uh, Mike Holmgren in Seattle. He was the head coach. He had already been there one year. And I said, Mike, you got to help me. Tell me what the West Coast offense is. Yeah. What do you mean? I said, well, there's this mystique about the West Coast offense. And they uh, Detroit, I'm in Detroit. I want to stay. And they just hired Marty Morningwig. And I know he coached with you, yeah. Mike. What's the mystique? I, I want to, when I interview, he's going to interview me when I interview. I want to know what's yeah. going on. He said, give me the phone. And so he he said, give me Marty's number. So he called Marty. Marty did, you know, Marty didn't really want me uh, on the staff. Yeah. Uh, so it didn't matter what Mike said. So Mike had a guy leave. And so Mike called me up and asked me to interview oh, for, the, for the quarterback coach position here. And I had a wonderful time. It was the best uh, coaching opportunity I could have ever had because uh, of Mike's past with Bill Walsh and what he taught uh, the offense that he uh, wanted to put on the field. And uh, I got to be really involved. I got to be involved with a lot of third down, a lot, maybe 20% of the offense yeah. and then red zone and, and things like that. Yeah. And Mike let me coach. He really let me coach the quarterbacks. He, uh, uh, you know, he used to kid, about some of the drill work that I had because, you know, I used a slip and slide to learn uh, to teach quarterbacks how to slide yeah, right. uh, and play for another. They're using you know, that to this play. day. <laughs> yeah. And so I loved uh, working for coach Holmgren or with coach Holmgren, coach Mike. He was Brown. tremendous. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Learned a ton of football from him. And, and he was always really, he was always on point to me. Yeah. Yeah. He was a been there, done that guy. And why are we yeah. doing this? Because this this is how it works. And, you know, you can try all that stuff, but this is how it works. And I really. Yeah. And yeah, exactly right. And uh, one of the things that uh, I loved, even after our first year, was just putting together during the offseason, you get to evaluate, right? Yeah. You, uh, you evaluate your schemes. And I'll never forget evaluating uh, because in the West Coast game, there's hot throws, but nobody adjusts, right? You just, you, 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 there's sort of natural hot throws. So if you, if you have a protection breakdown, then you, you can throw hot. Well, you know, Mike likes tempo. And uh, so one of the things that we tried to create is a lot of tempo without having a no huddle offense, we would huddle, but I had Matt Hasselbeck. I had Trent Dilfer. I had Brock Hewart. These guys were uh, incredible uh, with the way that they could uh, have a presence in the huddle, get in and out of the huddle onto the line of scrimmage and start their count. So we, we, we would work on this, but uh, during the off season, we would do scheme evaluations, changing protection, getting your, getting the, yourself protected, gave you a chance to stand in the pocket or even scramble with protection. If something broke down inside, that's right. Um, gave you a different opportunity. And, well, also, uh, you know, protection beats coverage, right? So we talk about that all the time. Protection beats coverage. So when you can remike it, change your protection, you're also not only protecting yourself, but you're beating that coverage. 
and it allows you to um, affect the defensive coordinator's mindset. Like, ah, oh, crap they they know what they're doing over there. Yeah. How yeah. are we going to get to this guy now? Disguise right. is so, better, so he doesn't have time to change. And you know, right. And then and you, you can have the same the same protection look like it's a different protection. And the, so, uh, a coach, a defensive coordinator, you know, they're all mean and evil. Anyway. <laughs> That's why we it's spend so much stuff. time. That's why we spend so much time as offensive coordinators with blitz pickup, you know, and right. doing, doing the right thing with protection. Let me ask you yeah. this: I'm going to move forward. So you became a head coach. You became the head coach of the Redskins, and then how was it? Now the table is a little bit turned because you were playing, and you were like, "I'm playing. I'm not getting cut." And now you have the fates of these young guys in your hands as far as putting a roster together and having to call guys into your office. And, you know, they have had this dream of playing pro football their whole life. And now you got to like redirect that dream. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's certain uh, things that uh, coaches have to go in with because you, you, you know, you're earning, you're, you're trying to trust your players, but yeah. you're also earning the trust of the players that what you say um, actually means means something. If what you say doesn't mean anything, or it turns out to not mean anything, you'll lose the you'll lose your team. Yeah. And so, uh, I guess I could use a bunch of words that begin with the letter C. You know, uh, there's a consistency, right? Okay. Uh, uh, that you have to have. Uh, there's communication, and I would say clarity, right, is super important, and. Uh, and uh, that that consistent message that you're you're creating, you know, you got to be creative, right? So all these yeah. all these C letters come into play, but um, uh, to earn that trust, all uh, I, I guess um, <clears throat> uh, the integrity you have as a head football coach is very fragile, and uh, if you uh, treat uh, uh, one player differently than you treat another or or you uh, you say something in a meeting and you don't apply it uh, as the, as the head football coach out on the field whether it be in practice or a game right and there's a lot of time involved as well you you know you know yeah, right uh, in pre- preparation that culture that you're trying to keep consistent and consistently yeah. well a healthy yeah that, that that message, that we try to put out the vision of the direction we're going in and then to speak about it daily and uh, create the clarity. The reason that I I love the league and it's so competitive because you may not be the best physical team on the field, but if the players believe in what they're doing, that it's not really the coach, you know, I always try to preach the the fact that it's your team. We're here for, you know, you've heard me say this. Ownership. You've been on my staff. Yep. This is your team, right? We're here for you. You're not here. The players aren't there for me. No. They're there. They're there for their team. Yeah. And um, I think that's what I, the message that I wanted to uh, uh, preach to them and to live out. Uh, and that is, are there responsibilities? Yes. And I think one of the things that can help a, a team uh, develop is 
uh, not only having a great coaching staff uh, through coordinators, assistant coaches, <clears throat> all the way down through whatever staff, they have to feel like they're a part of it. They have to be, you know, they, they feel like they're in it, right? Yeah. With yeah. you. Uh, I, I really wanted the players and the, and the way you get the message out besides just your, yourself is through your coaches, but then also through the captains, yeah. through this, this leadership, this core leadership group, you can win with a team that has lesser ability because all those guys, they pull those guys in. They buy into right? the culture. Yeah. yeah. The, you know what? To me, it's a Jesus principle. When he transferred ownership into the disciples and then they went and then they spread that because they bought in, they, they totally understood and believed it. And like you said, I say it this way, clarity is kind. Doesn't always feel kind when you're hearing it, but it, it really ultimately is kind at the end yeah. because and, we all need and, the truth. We always want to hear the truth. And sometimes the yeah. truth stings, but we still need it. We still need That's it. Right. That's hey, right. Let me ask you this. This show is called Another Rep. And what does another rep mean to you? Now you've you played it, you've coached it, you've talked it, you've lived it. I mean, you've lived the life of, of this. And it can mean anything. But what does it mean to you? Uh, another rep might be uh, a new project, right? A new project. Uh, but it all is a progression in, in life. So that's kind of what I think uh, another rep would be for me is uh, not just, you know, not just doing the same thing, right? Yeah. When you think about another rep, you mean I got to do another, another push up, another bar down, yeah, right, another right. pull up or whatever. But it's bigger than that um, because uh, it may be a, another rep in a whole different exercise. And, um, or a whole nother mindset. Yeah, I would say this. Uh, I guess another rep for me is not a different rep either. It's it's um, you know I don't feel like I'm I'm uh, going to have to uh, give up my Christianity because I'm not right now on a football staff. My you know uh, I guess another rep uh, uh, can mean you know uh, there's a consistency in in moving forward because right? we're always coaching somebody you're going to be coaching your grandkids here if you're not already coaching your grandkids and yeah i'm trying to just be their biggest fan that's right right i'm going to close this off because uh i think now that your grandchildren will listen to this they may call you the hungarian hellfighter and not oh, the, yeah not the king. <laughs> sure, not sure king grandfather <laughs> I like a Hungarian help fighter. That to yeah. me, you know, yeah. I asked you at the beginning all the different nicknames, and you had Z Man and Jay Z and all these different ones. Nothing surpasses the Hungarian help fighter. <laughs> I know. Alvin, Alvin Roy. Alvin Roy put that on me. Hey, man, I, I can't tell I you appreciate how much it. I love having you on another rep. This has been great. And um, let's just keep repping. You know? Okay. Well, we'll talk soon. I know. Hey, have a great Easter. Thank you. Uh, You know, have have a great Easter, and uh, we'll do it again sometime. Z-Man, thanks so much for coming on Another Rep. Really appreciate it. If you like Another Rep, hit subscribe, hit like, share your friends, share it with your friends, share it with your teammates, share it with your people. And uh, let's just get how, how we're all connected and how we're all repping life. Get it out there together so we can uh, share. And my reps help your reps. Z-Man's helps 
somebody else's. This, we're all connected all the time. So let's go. Let's go get another rep. Until we rep again, I am out. Out.